the protectors of the Wood Adventure Series. Join our story of misfit teenagers as they struggle to save the world from climate change. Remember that everyone can make a difference and every action counts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Protectors of the Wood Adventure Series. Episode 91, Dark Vision. Closing in on me It's gotten so That I can't see My star no more My God no more These closing doors And I don't know what to say But my thoughts they won't play Like they used to in my mind And I sit here and sigh just wasting my time And it's all from my worst dream Dark vision that I have seen and it's always there At the corner of my eye Somewhere in my heart Somewhere in my Closing in on me It's gotten so That I can see My star no more My God no more These closing doors Abby and Geraldine were still talking in her small churchyard cottage. It was late evening. Abby was asking questions about the long-ago burning of Hidden Valley. But what does all of this have to do with Milton Morphy? Why is he involved in this? Geraldine looked at her in surprise. Oh, I thought someone would have told you. His grandfather was minister here in the 1930s and early 40s. He's the one who stirred up the mob that burned Hidden Valley. And he lost his job in the effort to hush up the scandal. Maybe you can see... Nobody tells me anything! And now I'm the one bringing this all back again. 
But it's not dead. It casts a shadow on all we do. So we have to heal it. That's why Reverend Tuck is going public with the Sophia scriptures you heard this morning. We feel that a call is going out to all people to change, to love the earth and save this world for their children and the life to come. When would be a better time than now to begin? Abby dried her eyes and took a deep breath. It's hard for me to accept that I have a role to play even though I've known since I was little. I'm surprised that you understand and actually care about me. I feel less crazy. I do care, more than you know. Now, tell me, what's next? I can see you've got another hurdle to jump over. Let's get to the immediate problem. I need to make a decision in a hurry. And there's so many consequences that I'm scared. You and Reverend Tuck, and especially Phoebe, you all must be having the same problem. Yes. Go on. Of course. I know who a few of the leaders of that mob were last night. Especially the one who came very close. Phoebe swung that branch hard and definitely hurt him bad. I know Chief Santiago will question us, and already tried to question Tuck, and maybe you too. And we're all stalling. What are we going to do? It's quite a predicament, isn't it? But I actually didn't get a good look at the crowd. I didn't meet them head on, like you and Phoebe and Tuck at the end. I can guess who one of them is because he was admitted to Middletown Hospital early this morning. But I couldn't swear to recognize him on the night in question. So you're out of it. But what about us? I've been wondering. It's a real dilemma. But here's a thought. Just one person was physically injured. You and Phoebe were threatened and terrorized, but escaped physical injury. Of course, Poor thing, she was punched in the face the evening before. And there are many photos that have appeared on television and the internet to prove it. But the boy who did the deed would have to be found and persuaded to identify in court the person who paid him. That would not be easy. I hear his family moved him to River City and could send him out of the country to avoid this mess. You certainly get all the info. I'm a pediatrician. I believe in family health. People trust me. And I'm concerned about your health and life's work. I'm telling you things that are confidential because I trust you. I need all the help I can get. Yes, you do. And I'm so glad you know it. Now... Here's another point. That house that you were living in is on state land, so you have none of the rights of people defending their own dwelling. That house should have been torn down long ago, but it has a certain reputation. People are afraid to touch it. I'm sure you know a lot more about that than I do. I underestimated you so much. 
Does Tuck know all this? All or most of it. But we both pretend we don't. Abby looked at the darkness outside her window for a minute or two. I know what you're thinking. You still don't know what to do. I don't know either. But let me ask you, how do you want to spend the next couple of years? Phoebe and Tuck will have to answer the same question. Abby shook her head and made a smacking sound by sucking her teeth. Ooh, don't make that noise at me. I could not be more serious. Geraldine sat up straight and raised her hand, pointing her finger. Abby, listen, you can't do everything. Okay. She made a strange whistling sound. I need some time. Her eyes wandered around the room. The darkness outside her window was thick, impenetrable. Night had set in, and this dramatic day had yet another act to come. I'm starving. I need to eat most of that bread and salmon you brought me. Oh, and read that note. And Geraldine? Abby hugged her. Geraldine kissed her on the forehead and headed out the door. Abby began humming a song and sang the words. Sometimes I'm walking on rainbows. Sometimes I'm locked underground. But if I hear you say it's all okay, there's nothing compares with that sound. I'm lost, but now I'm found. As soon as Geraldine was out the door, Abby opened her second note of the day. Abby, be there. The back door at 1 a.m. tonight. More important than before. She read both notes twice and then ripped them up and threw the pieces into the wood-burning stove and lit them. There's got to be danger for Phoebe to push me like this. It's like waving a red flag and saying, look out, look out. She lay down on the bed and stared vacantly at the peeling paint on the ceiling. I've got to get myself together and eat something. But I've lost my appetite again. And I'm too jittery. She stood up and paced around the room. But... But at least I'm going to see Phoebe. She believes in me no matter what I do. Now... If only George, Jeremy, Stephanie, and Eddie could come too. And we could all sit together for a couple of hours. At least George. There must be a threat. 
Abby continued pacing back and forth. Oh, I can't wait for some news. Let's get this new life going. Abby set a pan of water on the electric burner and made a cup of breakfast mixture, thick and bitter, just the way she liked it. Then she examined the new loaf of Penny's bread. It was dense and heavy and covered with sunflower seeds. She cut two slices and ate them both with small pieces of salmon. Oh no! How stupid can I be? I have no idea what time it is. And no way of finding out. Let's see. If it gets dark by around 8.30, and more than an hour has passed since then, it's... it's maybe 10 p.m. Abby walked out the door and knocked softly on Tuck's side door. Abby! Oh, I, I hope everything's okay. Everything's good. Don't worry. I had a nice talk with Geraldine. But I feel bad I haven't called my parents. Maybe they'll be home now. She followed Tuck to the office and dialed the number. Looking out the window at Bridge Avenue, she saw two men on a bench under the light in front of the Middletown Standard office. She wasn't sure they were the same ones as before. They all had a similar look. Neatly dressed men in their thirties. Meanwhile, the phone rang and rang, and finally, she gently placed the receiver back. I don't understand. Abby glanced at the large pendulum clock on one of Tuck's shelves. It's almost 10.30. Where can my parents be? Look, Abby, if this goes on another day or two, I'll drive you over to their house. Uh, somewhere in Ridgewood? Don't worry. I've got time. Uh, let's see. Um, Tuesday afternoon. Take it easy, get some sleep, and please work on the front of the yard tomorrow. We need to show the congregation that we're getting something done. Uh, start with the area near Bridge Avenue, and be sure to speak to me before making any big changes to the back section. That will need some discussion. No problem. She was delighted to avoid decisions about the wild area. But there's one more thing. I need a part-time job. I can't depend on gifts forever. I need to make some money. Of course. Let's talk about that over the next few days. For now, I'll be sure you have more than enough to eat. I have food from my friends, and... Geraldine said you have a small refrigerator for me. Abby kept her eyes on the floor, afraid to look Tuck in the eye. Ah, uh, yes. I cleaned it out already. I'm so sorry to make you ask. You'll learn I often need to be reminded of things. He lifted the brown cube from a crowded shelf, and Abby opened doors on their way to the cottage. Thank you so much. I'm afraid to be a lot of trouble. Abby, you must promise me 
No more apologies. I may be absent-minded and a bad administrator, but I am sure about a few things, and one of them is that you should be here. Please speak up if you need anything. Okay. Now, get some sleep. Abby set her alarm for 12.30 and lay down. She closed her eyes but could not avoid seeing visions of the night before. She heard her ex-boyfriend, Marcus. Stop! Stop! You could kill someone. Stop! The sound of his anguished and terrified voice rang in her ears. Her hands shook. Then a picture of that maniac, Bob Bentley, appeared in Abby's mind, coming forward, taunting, threatening. And then the whole crowd with torches, and finally, Phoebe limping onto the porch with a look of raw ferocity and determination that Abby could never forget. She began to weep, tears dripping onto her fingers. I, I set the whole... I set up the whole thing. I put Phoebe on the spot. I asked for her help. And then I risked both our lives. Abby spoke aloud as if Phoebe were in the room. Look at me. I never even thanked you. Even after Tuck and Geraldine arrived. When I saw you limping on the ground, straining to keep up with us. I never said a word. And you were my hero. Finally, her vision changed to a picture of Geraldine, telling her to get herself together. That's right. I have a job to do tonight. A chance to redeem myself. Geraldine was right about everything. Abby relaxed, felt the tension dissolve, float away and leave her in peace. The alarm rang what seemed like a moment later, but Abby saw that it was now 12.30. She drank another cup of breakfast mixture and felt good, ready to go. She put on her familiar black jeans and long sleeve t-shirt. Phoebe is asking for help. Listen, be there for her, and see what trouble George is in. If I knew you really loved me, there would be no more war. And if we're not together in this wild and crazy world, if I knew you really loved me, it would set my heart aglow. Take you with me everywhere I go. Just say once you love me.
together on a dark and rainy day Is this a dream or just a lie? One burst of sunshine would light up my way I see the world in your eyes Just say once you love me Thanks for listening to the Protectors of the Wood adventure series. Find all our projects on protectorsofthewood.com and support us on Patreon at Protectors of the Wood. And to all the eco-warriors out there, remember that everyone can make a difference and every action counts. <laughs>